you are now listening to a brand new episode of Starfleet Escape Podcast, only on the Four-Eyed Radio Network, also known as the Starfleet Escape Podcast. Prepare for launch in three, two, one. Enjoy the ride. Welcome to the Starfleet Escape Podcast on the Four Eyed Radio Network, where we escape into the Star Trek universe. This is episode number 34 and is being recorded on January 22nd, 2014. Today's episode Star Trek Axnar. I'm Aaron. I'm Marty. And I'm Eric. This episode is brought to you by America Joy Print Shop, official sponsor of the Four-Eyed Radio Network. For high-quality business cards, flyers, banners, cut vinyl, and more, visit americajoy.com. Today we have a special guest, Alec Peters, who is a Star Trek archivist and prop collector. And he's the creator of Star Trek Axanar. Uh, hello, Alec. Hello. Uh, thank you for joining us here on the Starfleet Escape podcast. Thanks for having me. So, why don't you tell us a little bit about this project that you have here? So, Star Trek Axanar is it's a Star Trek, it's, we call it an independent Star Trek feature because we try and stay away from the F word, fanfilm. <laughs> fanfilm. <Okay. laughs> uh, because, uh, uh, you know, fanfilm covers a broad swath of, of independent Star Trek filmmaking by fans. And I, uh, I tend to put them in, in three categories. And, and um, one is the you, you get together with your friends and you film a whole movie in costume. <laughs> Basically. And maybe you've made some sets in your garage, and, and you know, and it's you making Star Trek, and God bless you, I, you know, but most of us probably don't want to watch it. <laughs> Because uh, it's uh, it's you know it's 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 personal. It's it's your mm-hmm. personal endeavor in making Star Trek, and and yep. God bless you for that. But it's not ready for prime time, as the as the case may be. Right. Um. And so those are I call them the Star Trek home movies. And then there's Star Trek fan films. That's Phase Two, which is the granddaddy of them all, uh, which I work with. And uh, it's uh, Farragut and uh, Exeter and Star Trek Continues, mm-hmm. and uh, and those. Uh, you know, I might even throw Hidden Frontier in there, uh, the the big green screen one. Uh, you know, those guys, um, they they basically have gone out of the way to make sets. Most of them, they all happen in the TOS universe because the sets are really easy to make in the TOS. Right. Mm-hmm. They're flat walls and square <laughs> square edges, and it's it's very easy to make a, a. You know, there there are literally three bridges in the United States. Three full-size Star Trek TOS bridges. Now, why there are three, it's... Well, basically, no one can get along with anyone else. But there are three. And, and, <laughs> and, and uh, it's to everyone's credit that they've built these amazing replicas that when you walk on them, you think you're on a Starship Enterprise. And it's it's if you've ever had a chance to do it, it's really wonderful. And um, so... Uh, uh, that that's Star Trek fanfils, and then there's another level which really up until recently with Star Trek Renegades hasn't been breached, and that is, and and the jury's out. We have to wait and see what they actually produce. But I was on set for two weeks. I know all the guys. I have. I think what they produced so far is really top notch, and and uh, so Star Trek Renegades is is uh, looks like it will be. You know what I call the semi-pros. That's mm-hmm. the it's the it's the minor leagues. It's one step away from real filmmaking. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, the difference being, can't make money off of it. None of us can, right? So right. we do it for the love of it. Um, I I can't put Axnar in that category because we haven't filmed anything yet. Although we will be filming next month, and I'll tell you a little bit about that. The project Star Trek Axnar is the story of Garth of Izar and the the four years war with the Klingons. Lead, culminating in the Battle of Axnar. I have always loved this character. Uh, we see so little of him. We, obviously, for those of you uh, who do or do not know, Garth of Izar was Kirk's hero. Uh, his exploits are required reading at the Academy. He won the major victory at the Battle of Axnar, which somehow preserved or created the Federation. Uh, we know from retconning that it was more likely a some important event that preserved it because even though Kirk's language indicates that it created the Federation. We know that happened 80 years earlier mm-hmm. than the Battle of Axanar. So I, I always love the nobility of this character. I, I, I Those couple moments, both when they're in the transporter room on Elba 2 and then at the end, you see this, see this noble starship captain. And I always wanted to know more about him. 
I, I just was fascinated that here's why don't we not know anything? Why did they never explore this character? And I wrote my first Garth story literally 20 years ago when I was in law school, and uh, wow. I still have it. It's handwritten on notebook paper. I won't show it to you because it's horrendous. <laughs> <laughs> but I had this love for this character, and I and I took another crack at it in the 90s, and. So what happened was I was um, talking to James Crawley of Star Trek Phase 2 in 2010, and he was trying to convince me why Star Trek fan films were so great. And I, at that time, I was like, I don't know. I'm really not crazy about them. Mm -hmm. and, uh, but he, he, he's an expert on Star Trek costumes, and he worked with Bill Tice for a year or two. As mm -hmm. assistant. Yeah. And so I would talk to him about whenever we got a Star Trek costume, I would call him and say, hey, we, can you give me some info? Or when we were, uh, uh, we were restoring the Deep Space Nine Trials and Tribulations TOS bridge chair. And I mm. needed his help on the buttons and such. And so we were talking one day, and um, I told him, hey, guess what, James? I just got Steve Inhat's costume, Garth of Izar costume from Whom God's Destroyed, because I'm a big Star Trek prop and costume collector. And he said, oh, that's so cool. And we talked about it, and we talked about how all the things I just mentioned. Garth, God, he, he never got his due. You know. mm. And James says to me, well, you know, this uh, next month we're filming uh, an episode of Phase 2 called Origins which is uh, about Kirk at the Academy. And he mm -hmm. says, um, and that's about the time of Garth of Isar. I said, yeah. That, you know, he, said, he said, we should write him into the script. And I said, you absolutely should. That would be really cool. And James then says, and you need to come play him. <laughs> and I, I said, oh, okay, well, that's flattering of you. I, I said, why? Thank you. Okay, I'll, I'll do that. I'd love to do that. And so I did that. And um, the clip is not widely available. It's available. Uh, I think we have it available on our website or our YouTube feed. Okay. And it's it's a great little. It's I've got like two lines. And basically, <laughs> Garth and this admiral are watching Kirk blow up the Kobayashi Maru. It's an simulator. And the admiral thinks the kid's just the biggest. You know, he's a washout. And Garth is like, Oh, I like this kid. Uh, nice. <laughs> and so it's it's kind of, it's it's it tells you a lot. There's a lot of subtext going on there. And then uh, last summer, uh, or a year and a half ago now, they were doing this vignette to introduce the new Enterprise on Phase Two and the new mm -hmm. actor Brian Gross, who took James Coley's place. And um, James said, Alec, why don't you come and play Garth again? Why don't we fit him in? Uh, you know, this takes place after the third year. You know, say third, fourth year of TOS. Uh, you know, Garth's back by now, and we had, we had talked about this because I had I've written a, um, two vignettes that bookend Axanar mm. that talk about it's the Enterprise going to pick up Garth from Elba Two and bring him back to Starfleet headquarters, and so um, James and I have talked about this, and we want to shoot this with the Phase Two crew, and so he said, well, why don't we put Garth in here? Uh, you know, he's rehabilitated at this point in time, and we'll. And I said, wow, that's cool. Okay, so I went back and I. I played Garth again. I, I just saw that. I just saw that clip uh, tonight, and it, it was really well done. And yeah, was, the, the new Kirk actor too. Yeah. Yeah, he's good. Brian Brian does a very good job. Uh, it's nice that he's not a real Star Trek geek because he doesn't try and do Shatner, mm -hmm. <laughs> which is my big pet peeve. I, I always say, you know, no James Bond actor ever tried to do Sean Connery. They yeah. all did James Bond, and, mm -hmm. and that's what you have to do. So you have to find Kirk in yourself. So anyway, while in 2010, while we were filming Origins, I was at lunch with James talking about working as a producer, and he said, and I told him about my Garth idea, and he said, well, why don't you write a script and we'll produce it? And I said, oh, yeah, that's a great idea. Okay. So um, I started writing a script. I took a screenwriting class with Robert McKee, who's like the godfather of Hollywood screenwriting you know, coaches, uh, with Doc John, who plays, uh, Doc John Kelly, who plays Dr. McCoy in Phase 2. And uh, and I'm a pretty good writer to begin with, but I, I really learned how to write a screenplay. And, you know, since then, we've knocked out this script for Axanar, which, fortunately, I, I showed David Gerald asked to read it last summer. Um, David Gerald's now showrunner with, with Phase 2. And he comes up to me one day, and I'm, I've known him since Origin, so, you know, we're friendly. And he says, um, I want to read your script. And uh, I said, okay. I said, just remember, David, it, before you read this, understand it's not a Star Trek story. It is a war story set in the Star Trek universe. And he goes, oh, I love war stories. And I said, okay, go knock yourself out. So he comes to me the next day. I'm sitting in the green room once again. He comes up to me and he goes, I read your script. And if you know Dave, if you're on Facebook, you know he is so much. And he wears that proudly. And, uh, you know, he's, he's very critical. He, he's a very critical person. 
<laughs> and uh, he has a great heart, but he, you know, he knows what he likes and knows what he doesn't like. And bad Star Trek doesn't do it for him. And uh, so I'm not, you know, I'm like, oh, okay, what do you, what do you think? You know, I'm thinking to myself, oh, this is, he's going to pull the script out of a bag and it's going to be dripping in red ink. And uh, he says, uh, it's real, it's good. He says, it's really good. He says, it's almost ready to shoot. And I was like, wow, that's okay. I said, notes, give me notes, you know, and and, uh, and it was great because some of his notes, we, we started talking about run silent, run deep, and, and uh, the enemy below, and classic World War II movies, mm -hmm. and I was like, wow, he really gets it, you know, he, re he really gets where we're coming from, and, and for all you war movie enthusiasts, uh, Midway is a huge influence on Axanar. Mm. If you, that's one of that's right after Patton. Midway is my favorite World War II movie because it shows scope and it shows this massive battle and 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 so we take some real fun, real interesting cues from it. So we've been working on it uh, about a year and a half ago. My friend Christian Gossett, who if you're a comic book guy, you know from the Red Star. Christian, oh yeah, yeah. Christian joined. Uh, he, he's a brilliant visual artist. Christian joined as our director. We've got a three-time Emmy winner as DP, uh, and just uh, David's our story uh, story editor, uh, along with Dave Galanter, who's written five Star Trek novels. Who was early on, he he was working with me, you know, when I first started writing the script, and Dave was great. And um, we've slowly been able to add people. So about a little over a year ago, I asked my very first acting coach, uh, Richard Hatch, who you all know is from Battlestar Galactica. Mm -hmm. I uh, took him out for sushi, which he loves, and I, I plied him with sake. And I, <laughs> I told him about Axanar, and I said, I really want you to be the lead Klingon. And he was like, I'd love to. He said, this sounds awesome. And I was really worried because I didn't know what, you know what his take on it was. But he jumped in with both feet. And I'm now back. I'm actually back in acting class with him now. I, I've been at the Howard Fine Studio for the past two years, and he's teaching now about half a mile from where I live. So uh, where he just moved, so I'm back in acting class with him, and it's wonderful. Uh, and then I approached um, J.G. Hertzler. We have a mutual friend, and and I said uh, I made you know I, I got the introduction. I started talking. I said, J.G., I've got three parts. One's a Klingon, and I don't want you to play a Klingon. One's a captain. And one's an, an admiral. And I said, right now I've got someone in mind for the admiral, so I'd really like you to be a captain. And he read the script, and he said, oh, yeah, I want to be a captain. And, and, and he says, and, 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 and he started telling me how he you know, what he thought of starship captains, mm -hmm. uh, which was right what I thought. He, uh, he said, look, they're all milk toast in Star Trek. They're all, you know, and I said, I agree. I said, you, you, you look at the captains that we've seen in Star Trek from Star Trek III, for, or, you know, you had J.T. Esteban and Styles. They're either buffoons or they're cocky or they're, or they're Harrymen who feels wet behind the ears. There's, who's the guy who's like Kirk in Starfleet? You can't tell me Kirk's the only guy. So that was, and J.G. was so in tune with that. So he's like, okay, and he goes, I want to do this and this, and he goes, and I want to wear an eye patch. And I, <laughs> we'll talk to the director about that. And, and uh, I said, and if you ask for a parrot, it ain't happening. Um, <laughs> but he's a great guy. JG is so passionate. He's like Richard and wonderful and warm, and he wants – yeah, it's great. And both those guys have had the opportunity to influence their characters and the writing of, of their characters, which has been great for them. And then I, I met with Gary Graham because Saval is alive and well 80 years after Enterprise. I should say, so Axonar takes place in the year 2245, which the mm -hmm. geeks – know is the year of the launch of the Enterprise, and it's thus 20, 21 years before the first season of Star Trek, mm -hmm. the original series, 80 years after the last episode of uh, Enterprise, the founding mm -hmm. of the Federation, and it, it, it's about the, the war, and it's about this war. So we take cues from, if you remember the FASA role-playing games back in the 90s, Yeah. <laughs> this is, we call it the Four Years' War, you know, because I love that aspect of, of FASA really helped get me going on Garth, even though he played a small role in that. And and uh, you will see the Enterprise. You'll see it in Space Dock, you know, before it's launched. I, I can tell you that Michael Hogan has agreed to play Robert April. Uh, awesome. Michael Hogan of wow. Colonel Ty and Battlestar Galactica. Yeah, mm -hmm. wow, that's that's incredible. Yes, that's he has been my dream casting since day one. It's like I started thinking about who I wanted to play, and I said, Robert April, Robert April. And I was like, Michael Hogan, he's perfect. Um, wow, that's, and, that's going to yeah. be really cool. And I, and just Garth has two amazing scenes with him. Actually, there's three scenes where they interact. There's one in a bar, and there's one at the, the, the peace conference because we do see the peace conference too. And wow, it's let me tell you, I'm thrilled, you know, 
to be able to act with that guy. So that's exciting. And then we haven't gotten a, a, a firm yes yet from Tony Todd, but we've talked with him and he is interested. And so I'm keeping my fingers crossed that once he gets out of his funk for his New England Patriots having lost, <laughs> oh, um, because he's a huge Patriots fan, uh, which is ironic because I told him, oh, well, I, he's like, well, who, who do you like? And I said, I can't tell you because you won't like me. He goes, no, come on, come on. I said, I'm a New York Giants fan. Uh. <laughs> so he took solace in the fact that we suck this year. But anyway, uh. <laughs> we're hoping Tony Todd comes, um, joins us because he is going to play Admiral Ramirez, uh, the, the commander-in-chief of Starfleet. And again, our captains, not just Garth or April or, or JG's character named Sam Travis, there's a female captain, Sonia Alexander, uh, that we're trying to get Kate Vernon to come play, who was, of course, Kate Vernon was Ellen Ty in Battlestar Galactica. But all our captains are badasses because fourth year of the war, all the pussies died. They got killed. Right. <laughs> I, I also noticed on your site for the, the cast or for the characters uh, that you've got Richard uh, Rabau, the who was from yes. the JJ universe. Yes. So how does that tie in? Well, remember, all you geeks, uh, <laughs> that the, the JJ Trek 2009 Star Trek is canon for the prime universe up until the point that Narada shows up. Mm -hmm. Right. So we know that Rich, I mean, which is the one thing I'll give JJ here is that Kelvin looks like it belongs in the, in the prime universe, right? Mm -hmm. that, the Kelvin was great. And uh, I'm not crazy about the interior, but the Kelvin looks great. And Rabau, well, he's one of those ass kickers. So yeah. if he didn't get killed by Nero, if that never happened, where is he? And in our script, he's... He's one of the squadron commanders that Garth chooses, and he's a very good friend of us. Now, this is all dependent on us being able to get Ferranti here to play Richard Rabau. Oh. And we've gotten a no from his agent, but we got it the afternoon we sent the email. So I'm blowing off his agent, going to go through his publicist and see if we can somehow through back channels mm -hmm. uh, get a hold of him. Because w once he sees the cast and once he sees what we're about to, um, about to tell you about our Kickstarter video, I think he'll say, oh, wow, this is, okay, this is impressive. This is, you know, these guys are good. That is, you know, so now that we've got Hogan, that's our dream casting is to get Ferranti here to play Richard Rabau, which would be insane. It just, it would blow people away. The, back to Tony Todd real quick. Tony Todd's the admiral because he intimidates everybody, right? He's, so, <laughs> you can see Tony Todd, he's 6'4", and he's probably 250, and he's got that deep voice, and yeah, I'd listen to him, You're, you know, <laughs> And, and you have to have someone, you can't have a wimpy, you can't have a wimpy, overweight, middle-aged, you know, admiral. i just like, that's not the way admirals are. Admirals used to command aircraft carriers, and now they're badasses. They just, you know, they're, they've taken a desk job so they can raise their kids or whatever. So um, that's why we want Tony Todd. And he's no stranger to Star Trek. I mean, he played Jake Sisko in the future. He played a Herogen on Voyager. And he also uh, played a few Klingons. Or he played he Kern. Kern, Gorf's brother. Yeah. In multiple episodes. Yeah. When I met him, I met him at Kamikaze, this convention out here in L.A., and uh, he proudly wears his Star Trek on, the, on his sleeve. He was like, oh, yeah, you know him. You know him about me. I love Star Trek. I go, yeah, I know. Gorf's brother. You know, <laughs> Disco, I cried. You made me cry, you bastard. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, so he, he loves it. So that's kind of the, the lay of the land. And by the way, www.startrekaxonar.com. It's a great site. Oh, thank you. And, uh, and we just launched today, we launched our blog. So now you can go there and we'll start updating our blogs on a regular basis. I remember. And on Facebook, of course. Yeah, well, I first saw you guys through Facebook. And I think it was when you just put up the website with the flyby. And once I saw that flyby, I was like, okay, I'm going to be watching these guys closely because right. it looks really good. Well, thanks to Aaron Harvey, who created the framework for that site and did all that. I mean, he, uh, uh, shout out to Aaron because Aaron is, uh, just had a heart transplant, actually, uh, and is doing well and all. So he's not working on the site. We have another guy, Brian, who's, who's helped us on the site since. But, uh, yeah, you know, listen, I'm an old technology guy. I, you know, <laughs> having a great website is absolutely essential. And uh, it's part of your branding and part of your image. Um, so, uh, so that's important. Thanks. I'm, I'm glad you like it. And that means a lot. So what we're working on now is we are, uh, we're pretty sure right now we are going to do a 
miniature project first before uh, mm. for we are going to do a, a video and you got are the first guys I'm going to talk about it with and we're actually going to Kickstarter uh, a short uh, the Kickstarter is going to be like ten thousand dollars we don't need much money mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but the Kickstarter is going to be a twenty minute video and it's going to be it's called Prelude to Axnor and is basically a History Channel special on the Battle of Axnor. Nice. <laughs> Yeah, it's the main characters in in character. So you're gonna see Ramirez talking about the war. Garth, April. Uh, if we get JG, JG says he'll if it fits in, he'll come out and, and do it. Um, and Karn and Richard Hatch's character, Karn and Saval. We'll see them all talking about the war, and it'll be intercut with you know maps and ship shots and and uh, Christian. And I have we watch we spent a whole afternoon watching History Channel specials on <laughs> Stalingrad and Midway and the, you know and all of it. So um, and we think that is going to blow people away because whoever's read the script, JG read the script and he was like, oh my god, this is amazing. Um, and we're doing things. We've not only got a script for them to read, um, but they're getting a backstory on their character. And then mm. they'll have three things: they have the prelude script, they'll have the Axonar script, and they'll have a backstory. And then we're going to add lib. We're just going to go into improv with them. Uh, after they, re you know, we get all the takes we need. We're like, okay, and and then interviewer, it may be me, it'll probably, it might be my friend, are just going to start interviewing them and asking them questions. And let's see what we get. And that'll give us so much fodder for our Kickstarter when we launch our main Kickstarter. We want to start small, and, and we figure, hey, if we raise ten, fifteen grand, and then knock it out of the park with this just amazing video, then everyone's when we ask everyone, for, you know, when we say, okay, now we need, you know, a quarter million dollars, <laughs> everyone will be much more like, okay, we're in good hands. And my money is in good hands with these guys, and um, and I've also gone and and I've already actually our main Kickstarter is all set and ready to go. It was mostly ninety percent done. We did all the perks. I basically went to the other successful Kickstarters, you know, Renegades and Sartre Continues, because mm -hmm. Renegades raised three hundred and seventy thousand mm -hmm. um, dollars. Between their Kickstarter and their Indiegogo, and Star Trek continues rate 126. And I looked at what they did for perks, and I said, okay, our perks, the Renegades perks were way better than the Star Trek continues perks. And I looked at the Renegades perks, and I said, well, let's just make sure ours are better, mm -hmm. better, better, better. Give more stuff away. Give more stuff away. And and it's point now that we're we will have levels that I now have a team that's working on a books of the the ships of Axanar. It'll be a book, a hardcover book. And it'll be done like if you rem if you're a real geek and you remember that old ships of the Starfleet, yeah, mm -hmm. or or the the ships of the line calendars ships that the they do, or everything. the ships of the line, yeah, that what the the old ships of the Starfleet was like blueprints of every yeah. ship in the history. Yeah, they had that. Yeah. So we're going to combine those two, and 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 it's going to have all of that. We already have a sample that's insane, and uh, then mixed in with all those color, like the wallpapers that you've seen on our on our wall site. So it will be a combination, and it will be a hardcover book. If we reach a certain amount, it's going to cost us about ten grand to get printed to do it right, but it'll be a perk, and everyone will be able to get it, and we're really excited about it. And those are the kind of things we want to do because we're all we're all geeks. We're we all. <laughs> It's like, wow, I can get a ships of the Starfleet, you know, the ships of Axonar book out of this deal. You know, so uh, we want, you know, really want to do really, really cool things like that. Yeah, and the, the visual effects look amazing, too. And just what you've posted on the YouTube channel, all those flybys, the ship looks really nice. Yeah, so the ship was, um, I kind of knew what I wanted this to look like. I'm a, 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 you know, back in high school when I was designing starships, I always had underslung nacelles. I mm -hmm. always thought that was a very aggressive look. And so when the Centaur came out in Deep Space Nine, yeah. I was like, oh my god. What a stupid kish, kit bash, but I love that shit. <laughs> you know, it was literally Excelsior nacelles with a Reliant torpedo pod, which are different scales, and mm -hmm. but I loved it. So I said to Sean Toringo, who designed the USS Titan, yeah. um, you know, yeah. I, I got together with Sean. I said, Sean, okay, here's what I want. I, I sent him a bunch of photos that I had scalped off the neck of di uh, net of different starships. I said, Cent think Centaur with a secondary hull. And uh, we started working together, and he threw designs at me, and I'd send him back with written notes and send him back, and he'd send back. And, and we came up with a design and then um, that I was happy with, and then we sent it to um, Tobias Richter, who does all the special effects for Star Trek Phase Two, who is a master. And he put the 3D together, and, and he did all those things. And listen, I, yeah, I, don't, I don't think I ever talk about Tobias without the word genius in front of him. Because <laughs> he is. He's amazing. That stuff, I mean... Right, I get excited about it. I look at that stuff and go, God damn. Yeah, I go to every time I go to a website, I'm like, 
I'm just mesmerized <laughs> by that that flyby. I'm just wow. Uh, just put that on loop, and and there you go. Right. <laughs> exactly. The the shot of it rising up through the nebula. Oh man, it's breathtaking. Yeah, and so it's um it's actually you'll find out in the story it's a gas giant. Okay. We actually have a battle in a gas giant. Part of what was challenging about Axanar, I actually finished the first three acts in about six months, and then it took me a year to write Act Four. And part of the reason it took me a year was because Act Four is the Battle of Axanar, and mm. I've never been impressed by any starship battle in Star Trek. Now, yeah, yes, Star Trek II: The Wrath of Khan is cool, but it, Deep Space Nine, all those big ship battles, they're like hundreds of ships and. They get hit by a phaser and they blow up. It, it just doesn't make a lot of sense. So there had to be strategy and tactics. So you mm. had to have ship tactics, ship mm. on ship, and you had to have squadron versus squadron. Yeah, massive. How do fleets react in space? And so um, I literally went out. I, I, the pl- first place I started was I read the first four Honor Harrington novels, if you've ever read that, David Weber's uh, books, um, which are about space battles. But mm. And it's really interesting because they're all about space battles as if their spaceships are 17th century sailing ships, which is kind of interesting. So I did a lot of research. I think the way the Battle of Axanar turns out, and we're still re- revising Act 4, we'll, people will go, wow, there's... it." And this is where Midway comes in. You mm. you will see subtitles, like in Midway. Like in Midway, you saw, you know, the carrier hear you, or, or you know, mm-hmm. or Strawberry 9, you know, the recon uh, uh, PBY. You know, so we will have stuff like that. So you know, this is what's happening over with the second squadron over here getting their ass kicked. And this is what's, you know, and oh, here's the Klingon reserves, or whatever. We will, there'll be little subtitles. The people who have read the script are like, wow, I, it really, I get it. It really makes gives you this impression that there's this massive battle going on and everyone has a job to do and we do and and that's why you'll see on our ships even our ships we have you know we have a destroyer a cruiser a heavy cruiser and a carrier because that's kind of like they all have jobs right you know mm-hmm. so it, we want to do it so anyway there's a battle early in in Axanar where basically the Ares Garth ship meets up with the first D7 that was ever produced. And and there's this arms race between the Federation and the Klingons, and mm-hmm. the D7 is the dreadnought, the Klingon dreadnought. Mm-hmm. And the Federation is the Constitution. And which side is going to get their dreadnought into the war first? Because that'll tip the balance of the war. So mm-hmm. you'll see Garth and the Ares in action uh, in Act 1, kicking some ass, and then all of a sudden in Act 2, there's a Klingon D7, and they're like, Wow. Okay. <laughs> I can't say it. I'm, you know, this might some kid may be watching it, but you get the, you know, WTF, you know, <laughs> and so all the usual tricks don't work. And and Garth being one of the things we know about Garth is he explored more planets than any other starship captain. And so Garth starts looking for an advantage. And one of the things, and there's a gas giant, and he's like, take us in. <laughs> let's figure this. Let's beat him in here. Mm-hmm. So nice. that scene that you mentioned is meant to be when they're, you know, getting out of the gas giant. I had a question, kind of nerdy, um, <laughs> but we're all nerds here. Yeah, um, I know. We're talking about Star Trek. <laughs> yeah. About being nerdy. Uh, so, are we going to see any of the actual species? Because we saw them in uh, Enterprise, uh, fighter flight. We actually saw Axanars, and this is the battle of Axanars. So, so how how is that going to tie in? Well, you know, one of the things that in the, in the FASA stories, the Axanarians were, uh, you know, a, a pre-industrial race. And what's relevant, so we don't see the Axanarians. We may see them, let's let's see, we may see them at the Peace Conference. Okay. Uh, that's a lot of makeup, you know, and I'll tell you <laughs> yeah. in a second. But um, they're not central to the story. The story, Axanar, is simply a place a battle t- uh, takes place. Okay. You touch on a more interesting question is, who's in this fight, right? In, in the original series, there are no integrated crews. The Enterprise, it's all human except for Spock, and he's half human. Mm-hmm. The Vulcans have their own ship, the Intrepid, which gets mm-hmm. destroyed in immunity syndrome. Right. We never see any aliens in the original series. Now, we all know that's because of budget and makeup, but we know there are Andorians. So in Axanar, one of the squadron commanders is Andorian, and his ship is all Andorian because wow. we posit that that's the way the Federation is, 80 years after the Federation. Now, and the beauty of this is, you want to get nerdy, <laughs> the beauty of this is, we know from the original series of Star Trek that Kirk, early on, says their command comes from USPA, the United Earth Space Probe Agency. What? 
uh, which they alternately call <laughs> Space Command or uh, Starfleet Command later on. They call it Starfleet Command. And we also know that in Enterprise, UASPA is the the authorizing agency for, for Starfleet Command. You yep. see, Starfleet Command, UASPA. So we're simply positing that in 80 years after the Federation, there still hasn't been enough trust built up that they're integrated crews. Everyone okay. manages their own ships. Now, it's all part of the Federation. Everyone's mm -hmm. got a USS whatever, but they're manning their own ships. UASPA is the, uh, the authorizing authority for all the Earth, the Terrans ships. And then there's an Andorians, and then the Vulcans, and hey, they're peace lovers, so they're not even fighting in this war, which is a major plot point. So we take those things, so I take your nerdy and, and raise your... <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm I'm a huge fan of Andorians, and so I've, I've, I've always have been. So to say that you're going to have a ship full of Andorians and an Andorian captain, I'm really looking forward to that. That's going to be <laughs> is cool. That, is that is it a Federation or a Starfleet human Terran design, or is it an Andorian ship with uh, like a Federation prefix on it? No, it it is it, it is Starfleet design. Okay. Uh, yeah, you know, because one of the things which you'll learn in Prelude to Axanar, we talk about uh, we talk about the ships and the, the technology and how and what is the advantage of the Federation is and and how did the Federation how were they able to so quickly advance their designs and, and it's because you've got multiple races you know and and the Andorians give you the weapon systems and the Tellarites give you the shields and the Vulcans give you propulsion and and everyone says oh you know we do that but we do it this way and oh wow that's better and this is all covered in 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 Prelude to Axanar, it, 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 we talk about how the, the the Klingons, you know, thought they could roll over the Federation, and, mm -hmm. and and there's a lot of parallels with World War II, right? The Japanese think they're going to roll over the United States. Well, why did the Japanese? Why why did the United States? How did we come back so fast? We bought time, and we were the United States, and we just built a lot of stuff, you know, <laughs> uh, and we built it really well and really fast. And um, and that's kind of the federation, you know. So uh, early on, they're getting their asses kicked, and then you know they start to catch up technologically and release new, you know. And and it's so anyway. So we cover all that, and I love talking about this stuff because this is all the nerdy <laughs> stuff we all love. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's it's you know on Facebook, someone will always try and and catch. Well, wait, why are you using the feder? Why are you using the enterprise patch on your on your chest? And 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 I say, well, whoa, whoa, there's two, you know. There's a reason because in court martial they all had the starship. That was Starfleet. Yeah. You know, it wasn't until the second season that Bill Tice got a wild hair in him and put a different patch on for you know the the crew of the uh, the is it the Yorktown that in in Omega Glory and then another yep. one you know, and then then a different patch for the Dooms in the Doomsday Machine for the Constellation. Yep. Uh, so I say so there's you know and I talked to Michael Kuda about this. I said Mike, what's your take? And Michael's like co internal conflict. You can't reconcile it. It's mm -hmm. So I said, well, we will. We're going to say that there's both a ship patch, because that's very military, which mm -hmm. you've seen if you've been to our Facebook page, and mm -hmm. we're all wearing the Starfleet Chevron, because we know that is Starfleet. We know it in Enterprise they use the Chevron for Starfleet. Mm -hmm. So, but having a rationale, and I mean, you should have seen the the back and forth. I talked to, <laughs> I talked to, you know, my editor is like, well, this, and I and I'm like, okay, if I, I'm a lawyer by training, so if I can make a case <laughs> that I can take into it and say, look, judge, you know, that then I feel good. And so when the Facebook geeks, and I use that term as a term of affection, of course, because I'm a geek myself, they say, oh, but I'm like linking over to. Go to uh, if you've seen our website, we have a geek FAQ because I was so tired of answering these questions. <laughs> click here's the link. Go read. You know, click here's. Oh, you want to know why we don't have a deflect? You know, our deflector dish looks that way. Click. Go read the link. And uh, because we've thought about all of this, because I've been working on this for three years, I've had time. To <laughs> Yeah, I, I read the Geek uh, FAQ before we started talking, and yeah, I think any hardcore Trekkies should read it because I think it deals with these issues brilliantly. And I, I, I like the world that you guys are setting up. Well, you know, Rob Burnett, who you know from Free Enterprise and uh, who also is the producer of all the Star Trek Blu Enterprise and, TOS and TNG Blu-rays, uh, mm -hmm. is become a very good friend. Uh, he His office is about four blocks from my house, so we go to sushi all the time together. And so he read the script, and he was like, uh, uh, he goes, this is Star Trek. He said, this is great. And he's very critical of fan films in general, but he loved it. And he, and 
so basically, you know, he wants to edit it. So I said, okay, okay, you can edit it. <laughs> Talk to my post guy. I go, Mark, you've got so many jobs. Let Rob edit it. And he was like, oh, Rob Burnett? Yeah, he can edit it. And Rob, and Rob is the biggest Star Trek geek in the – he, yes. Let me tell you, we have all built the Star Trek AMT models when we were kids. Yep. Mm-hmm. We all built them. Did you build all 12 in the fleet? No. Well, no. Rob Burnett did. <laughs> <laughs> so I bow down to the superior geek. <laughs> He's got just great stories about this. So it's fun having him to bounce stuff off of because he knows this stuff as well as anyone. And so I, so we go through it, and that's kind of the internal test. When I come up with something, I say, okay, Rob, here's my, here's my pitch, and I pitch him. And and he comes back at me, and he'll tell you know. So he'll tell you what he likes and he doesn't like. And we were talking about starship battles, and and you know the great space lake, right? Everything has to happen on the space lake. Mm-hmm. I was like, screw the space lake. This is three dimension. You know, it's like ironic. They talk about three dimensional thinking in 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 a in a Wrath of Khan, but everything's two dimensional yeah. ultimately. <laughs> we really want three dimensional. So. When you see Garth's ship staging at Axanar, you see him underneath the planet. Yeah, the planet's above. You don't see them like hovering over the equator. Why? It's it's space. And then you see ships going vertical and and down, and and you see things you haven't seen before because we really want this to be be the Star Trek you've never seen before, shown in a way that you've never seen Star Trek before. Um, just listen, just like JJ's Trek was. I mean, with all the problems, mm-hmm. I saw Star Trek 2009 four times in the movie theater. Yeah. That's the most I've ever seen any movie in the movie theater before. I saw Star Wars three times in the movie theater. That's how old I am. <laughs> but, but I only saw dark, Into Darkness once. And, and the reason is because all those gimmies I gave JJ the first time around, I'm like, okay, I'm going to give you this ridiculous monster chase on the ice planet. I'm going to give you that he just lands where Spock happens to be. And Scotty just happens. I'm going to give you all that stuff. Okay, I'm going to forgive you that obnoxious brewery for an engine room interior and why the hell you have, you have you know, water pipes running around. In the first movie, I was so happy to have Star Trek back. I'm mm-hmm. so happy that it was, it was renewed and revigorated. I gave him all that stuff. I said, I'm not going to bitch about that. Great score by Michael Giacchino. I loved it. Yep. In Into yeah. Darkness, I didn't give him any of that. I said, sorry, you got a pass the last time. You don't get a pass again. And mm-hmm. and, this, you know, and, and I'm not going to go into Into Darkness, but Robert, <laughs> um, but the point being was it was so good to see Star Trek with a different sensibility. You know, right after Nemesis, I was going around saying, I, I want Michael Bay doing Star Trek. I, I want, you know, I want someone who's got a totally different way that they look at movie making. Mm-hmm. Um, all you want to say about Michael Bay and Transformers, you look at Pearl Harbor or you look at Armageddon, mm-hmm. and those movies really, they are shot differently. They are, yes, they're shot like a music video. Go ahead, say that. I don't care. They're shot differently, a different sensibility, a different energy. A diff- he's got a different take. He's trying to accomplish something different. Whereas opposed to Star Trek Nemesis, which tries to do what the other Star Trek films do, you know, and I love Nemesis, but um, get rid of the B4 and it'd be a really good movie. But we needed a fresh take on Star Trek. And yeah. that's what Axanar is. Axanar is saying, we're going to go to a time period you haven't seen before. We're going to shoot it in a way you haven't seen Star Trek shot before, with sets you haven't seen before, with characters you're familiar with, but they're not Kirk, Spock, and McCoy. And we're going to, and Rob Burnett, the two great things Rob Burnett said, one was, it, it, this is Star Trek. And the other great thing is, he said, this reads like canon. He said, "You read this? This makes total sense. This should be tw- this is 20 years before Star Trek. You know, you because we're not trying to reinvent something, and, and we're not trying to play Kirk Spock and McCoy, and and we're we're trying to do something different. And again, not denigrating what Phase Two or Star Trek right. continues. Does. I mean, God bless every. You know, we all grew up wanting to be Captain Kirk. I grew up wanting to be Captain Garth. So you know, we all get to play. <laughs> we all get to play our heroes." And uh, by the way, just a pitch for Star Trek Phase 2 and Katumba. If you haven't seen Katumba, go watch it. It's really, really, really good. And uh, so that's what we're trying. We want a, a Blu-ray of Star, uh, Star Trek Axnar that someone in the studio system is going to put on someone's desk and go, you have got to fracking watch this. This is amazing. You're not going to believe and we. And then someone's going to say, find these guys' phone number and call them up. That's what we want out of this because we can't make any money off of it. So <laughs> let's have fun and get jobs out of it. Mm-hmm. That would be amazing. Well, that's one of my things with the whole JJ universe. Like 
why do we need to create another universe? Let's just play in the Prime universe because there's so much in the Prime universe that's ripe for picking. You can go into the future. You can find these little time periods in between the original series and Enterprise or even between the original series and Next Generation where there's that whole Cardassian War thing. Like, what happened there? So there's just all these time periods that are just ripe in the Prime universe, I think. Yeah, I, I agree. I don't have a problem reinventing Star Trek. I, I don't the, the premise of, of what JJ did, I, I appreciate that the fan service to including old Spock, mm-hmm. alternate timeline. I, I really appreciate all that. And it was one of the reasons I was so forgiving in, in the first Star Trek. I'm like, okay, look, these guys are making an effort. Uh, and there's so much for a Star Trek fan to jump into it. But, you know, look, it's a big universe, and we all get to play in it. Um, My my take is, with with Hulu and Amazon and Netflix, there's... CBS is going to have to have a a strategy. How do we... What do we do there? You know, look at what Marvel did. Marvel went and put their Hell's Kitchen characters on Netflix. You're going to see Daredevil and Iron Fist and and Luke Cage, you know, know, on Netflix, leading up to a Defenders movie. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, Crap! What a bru- you know they're taking their they're taking their tertiary characters, <laughs> the ones no one gives a damn about, and they're putting them on Netflix. And you know what? As long as it's not crap like Agents of Shield, people are going to watch that stuff. You know, and and I think it will be because I think hopefully Disney's ABC has learned their lesson to leave Marvel alone when it comes to their characters. Let them do what mm-hmm. they want. Um, but anyway, there's this whole new uh, in, uh, field. I can easily see a day, you know, five years from now, where we're watching four different Star Trek st- series, right? Yeah. You're watching one on, on network TV. You're watching one on uh, Amazon, one on Hulu, one on Netflix, or maybe three of them are on Netflix. Who knows? What have you. But just it won't be Enterprise Season 5 because, let me just tell you, <laughs> CBS is never going back to the previous wells. They have, they have told me flat out that is never happening. So that means, to your point, we get to explore everything. Everything. Yeah, and and that's the thing. Like with all of the you know the JJ movies, and it's a renewed interest in Star Trek. I mean, it's made so much money. It's getting a new generation of fans, but we're waiting three years between movies. So there has to be something to fill the gap. And we've talked about on our show multiple times that. We Star Trek needs a series. Yep. We need it to go back to the series format because that's what Star Trek is meant to be. Yeah, I don't disagree. I, I think a lot of people will even argue that Star Trek never should have been movies, that it doesn't lend itself to movies, which whatever. I, I think your first point about a whole new genera- generation of Star Trek fans has come in. I mean, the, the first Las Vegas Star Trek convention after J.J. Trek came out increased in attendance 25%. Wow! <laughs> right now, don't tell me that's bad. You can hate on JJ all you want, but you know it's done good things for the Star Trek franchise. Yeah, uh, that's all good, and we will get it back on TV. CBS isn't going to sit on their hands. I think they're waiting basically till JJ's contract is over. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, and then once Bad Mo- Robot moves on, they'll in- they're going to you know they're interviewing every they're interviewing everyone now. Who's going to make the Star Trek, you know, for for TV? Is you know, is it R.C. and Kurtzman? Is it Brian Singer's group? Is it J. Michael Straczynski? Who's got the you know the, the chops to do it? We will see it back on TV. Well, I, I look forward to that day, and maybe um, maybe we'll see your show as one of those. <laughs> well, listen, I, Hopefully. <laughs> I I have to be honest. You know, a lot of there's a lot of nonsense on the internet about different productions. Like, oh, we're making a pilot, and we're going to pitch it to CBS. Uh, no, you're not. <laughs> no, you're not making a pilot. You're making a fan film. Saying it's a pilot is, you know, it's a it's a pipe dream. It's, you know, mm-hmm. listen. I think I'm making the best independent Star Trek that's ever been put on film. I'll go to the bank on that. All due respect to Renegades, which I love. I love the people doing it. That's why I've scalped so much of their talent because they got great people working on. It. But <laughs> it's not a pilot for anything. CBS isn't interested in seeing that that. And they're not right. interested in, in, and they're not going to be interested in Axnar. You know, Rob Burnett and I. Our our hope is that they see what we do, and they say those guys know Star Trek, and they're really talented, and let's talk to them. 
but they're not gonna they're not gonna get Axnor. Axnor is not gonna you know we have, are realistic about our expectations, but we're also realistic about what we communicate to the public because I think mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of you know I read recently you know one production is like oh we're we're a TV show. No, you're not. You're not getting on TV. <laughs> and don't <laughs> tell people that because it's deceptive. I, I think we need to be honest about our intent and what we know our product is going to be. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, it, you know, and, and so if we can make the best independent Star Trek ever that blows people away, we did our job. I oh. think this will be it. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. So was it fun? Uh, I don't know how uh, influential you were of the designs of like the technology that you're going to have on on Axnar, like the tricorder that I saw. That was pretty awesome. Was it fun creating this? old new technology <laughs> yeah it was it's a blast let me tell you because again we're we have free license to do what we want mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and but we have some guidelines and that's okay we're 20 years before TOS so you have to come up with a design philosophy first and Christian the director and I uh, have, have talked about this for a year now um, and it, it's it's and, and we run into the problem is that Star Trek is a 50-year-old vision of the future, all right? The Cage, I would argue, is a 60-year-old vision because it's basically bad 50 sci-fi. Mm -hmm. um, so you can't get trapped in that. You, you can't just be so, well, it's got to be, it's, it's, you know, X number of, what, eight years before the Cage or what, I'm, I think that's right. Cage is 13 years before the Menagerie. To, yeah, so we're eight years before the Cage. If you get stuck in that, you wind up with shooting, you know, like slingshots or something. I mean, it's just <laughs> right because look at that cage laser. I, yeah. Darren Doctorman, I don't know if you all know Darren Doctorman, one of the top concept artists in Hollywood, huge Star Trek fan. Uh, he just directed the last episode of Star Trek Phase Two. Uh, he loves the cage. He loves that design, and he's our production designer. And he and I go at it all the time. <laughs> I'm not doing bad fifty sci-fi. I, I know you love it, but I don't. But fortunately, we're on. We're all on the same page. Is that we need to look earlier than TOS, but not primitive. There's a, it's a very fine line you work mm -hmm. and you walk. Excuse me. And um, fortunately, we've got this great concept artist, Eric Henry, who just found me on Facebook and starts sending me stuff. One day, I was like, "Hey, you sent me some stuff a couple months ago. Send me some more stuff." And he starts sending me stuff, and it's brilliant. And it's the tricorders, like you know. We, so we start giving him direction. He's a young guy. He's like 21. He's been over in Japan for the last six months. He, we, we give him direction. I say, show me a hallway. And he shows me some hallways. And I'm like, wow, damn. I, and it's just sort of gets our mind. And we go, yeah, well, this and this. And people give us feedback. And, it, and um, so Eric has been a, a, an absolute godsend, and he gets it. And um, so Christian and Darren and Eric and I are on a, uh, on a conference on Facebook, and we, we just constantly giving feedback. And he's producing more stuff, and then we give him more feedback. And um, so the tricorder, we're really liking what he's doing with the tricorder. I'm glad you like that. We're not set on a phaser design yet. We're really struggling with that. I kind of want to use a Kelvin phaser from start, from 2009 mm -hmm. Star Trek. Mm -hmm. I actually own one of the screen-used uh, pieces. Awesome. I love it so much. But, uh, but it also, you know, that is 2233. So that's 12 years earlier. So there need, you know, a phaser would look a little different. We want it to be a little more assault phasery, you know, mm -hmm. a little more bulked up a little, you know. So we're working on that. Um, but yes, it is fun. It's fun designing our own Star Trek universe uh, that lives within. And when, pe when people see it, it's uh, people are going to get, you know, totally um, geeked about it because it is um, it is a great uh, it, it's a great take on what we're familiar with without being repetitive. Mm -hmm. I, I know I'm geeking out about it already, so... <laughs> I geek out about it every day. It's, it's, a, it's, fun, <laughs> it's, fun to, it's fun to work with. I, I literally have, have basically for the past six months done nothing but Axnar. Uh, it's, you know, I, um, uh, I'm an entrepreneur. I have, uh, you know, I, I started this company, PropWorks, which really is kind of in limbo now because we're not doing auctions anymore. Um, so I've had the time and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, while I work on my next project that I, I'm creating, it's Axnar's, uh, filling my day so it's fun to come on and and see the new sketches and uh, every day and post stuff on Facebook and work on on this and you know contact agents and bully actors into working for us. <laughs> <laughs> 
I, I can't wait for for this to be released. You said next month you're gonna start filming. So right? we will we will start filming Prelude to Axanar uh, mm-hmm. here uh, next month. Uh, okay. It's it's only gonna be a two day shoot, probably a few weeks then to to edit it, and then we'll get it out. And it will uh, we will cut a trailer from that for our Kickstarter for the main Kickstarter. Okay. And uh, we will at the end on the main Kickstarter page, you'll also be able to watch the 20 minute video, uh, the, the full Prelude to Axanar video, and then we will have so much stuff that we will be cutting little little snippets, little shorts, and that you know every couple days we'll be putting something new on the on the, the Kickstarter page. Please tell all your friends and uh, uh, we'll do. The, the first Kickstarter, we're really we're not even going to have the really high levels. It's going to be we mm-hmm. want people to give us five, ten, twenty bucks. That's it. We don't want you know because we want it's like save your money for the big one. But we will. <laughs> but I'm already like. Do, developing a, a we, we want one of the the things we'll give away is um, you'll get a, a script that that'll be an illustrated script it'll be a PDF I'm not gonna print it out but you know maybe for five bucks um, you're gonna get the script and it's gonna have photos of the, the the cast and and everything in it and something that'll be cool you know I really I like making those perks really fun and interesting so that you'll want and and it's really insidious in the main Kickstarter I, I looked at what everyone else was doing we have 5 10 15 20 25 30 35 50 I think you go from 35 to 50 and each one we give you such cool stuff it's going to be real hard for you <laughs> Like, well, if I just give you five bucks more, I'll get this too, and that's so cool. Oh, but if I give you twenty bucks, like, oh God, that's so cool. You know, I'm, we're totally, you know, we're 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 totally uh, manipulating you that way in, in the best way possible. Well, you heard it here first, uh, Star Trek fans. Start saving up now. <laughs> Tax time's coming around. We'll have that money. Yeah. <laughs> Why do you think we're launching our? our <laughs> Exactly. You know what you're doing. Yeah, don't get that. Don't get that. Uh, don't get that. Uh, that refund too early. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Sign the check right over to you. Yeah, just say H and R Block. It's Axonar Productions. <laughs> <laughs> So besides the Kickstarter, are there any other ways that people can help out, or is that the main uh, goal right now? No, listen. Anyone with any talent, and even if you have no talent, I mean, we yeah, we have a group called the Axonar Marines, um, and we haven't widely publicized it yet, but we've just started and we're trying to put it in place, and it's basically people who want to help promote Axonar. And so we'll be. You just look on our Facebook page. We'll be talking about that, and you, and and you can join that. It's just a group where we like. You know, everyone goes and reposts our our posts, and and uh, once we start doing conventions, we're going to need people to man the conventions. So Action Our Marines is one of them. That's just you, you're a fan, and you want to help promote, and uh, that's it. <laughs> it doesn't, doesn't cost you anything. We you know, if you don't do anything, we're not going to whip you or you know send you down to the gallery. <laughs> Um, that's one. Uh, certain people are like, oh, people get contacted me. You know, I write. Oh well, maybe you want to write some blog articles for us, or I, you know, I draw. I, you know, I'm an artist. Great. Well, you know, how about helping us design some movie posters? We want for our Kickstarter. We want to have like four, five different movie posters, and you get and you get to choose one. Oh, I want that movie poster. You know, so there are things like that that we're doing. Um, listen, everyone has a talent, even if it's just sharing our content. It's amazing that people have contacted me. I mean, our composer, Alex Bornstein, works in Hollywood. His, his first two bosses were Bear McCreary and Hans Zimmer. Well, oh, wow. That's why our music is so amazing. It's because this guy is brilliant. And he, he saw the Trek movie article a year and a half ago, and he contacted me, and he said, hey, I want to write mu- music for you. And I was like, yeah, 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 okay. Write me a couple. <laughs> write me a couple themes and let me hear what you have to say. I was nice about. it. I'm joking. And we met, and he and he sat down with his Apple computer, and I, I put in the headphones, and 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 he played it for me, and I was like, holy crap, this guy is good. <laughs> These are amazing. I mean, it is movie quality music. It is stunning. I mean, you heard a little bit on the piece we posted on Facebook today. It's mm-hmm. just his. The one theme he did for this one scene that I'm not going to tell you about that happens at the end of the movie, it's a really important scene, and everyone loves the scene, and I wrote it. I take a lot of pride in it because it just was inspiration one day, and I just – I said, oh, my God, this is how Garth reacts, and I wrote this scene. And he wrote this music for it that is literally, and I'm a soundtrack collector. I've been collecting movie soundtracks for yeah. you know longer than some of you guys are alive, probably. And <laughs> this is one of my five favorite tracks of ev- of any movie soundtrack in history. It wow. is unbelievable. 
it, it's the kind of music that will, I mean, there are people who are going to be misting up at this scene because it's so powerful. And it, it's, it's one of those things that it's, you go through all these emotions because I've read, I've literally taken the script out. I've been reading the script while his music's playing, and it just totally puts me in the space that I need, the headspace I need to be in to, to access the right emotion. It's amazing. So, but we got that because he sent me an email and said, I want to work for you. So, you know, everyone can help out. I mean, this is a fan project. Uh, please, if, you, if you're watching this and you say, I want to be part of Axonar, hey, great, Let, send us a message and at the very least join the Marines and start sh sharing our stuff. And then when we start doing, uh, uh, you know, later this year we'll start doing conventions, mm -hmm. whatever, you know, we'll be doing conventions all over the country. Come and help us out, man our booth. Get an Axonar T-shirt, you know. Um, oh, the, and the T-shirts are great. My my uh, my best friend, um, she was like, "What do you want for Christmas?" I'm like, "I don't want anything for Christmas." <laughs> I said, "You are broke. Don't buy. Spend a dime on me. Spend it on the boys." I said, uh, and then I said, "But you know what? You can make because she makes custom T-shirts." I said, "Make me an Axonar T-shirt," and she did, and she made me one with the 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 patch on the back and the spearhead on the front, and and I, I love it. And everyone's like, "Where do I get one?" Where? Patience. <laughs> so listen, I want everyone to help out and, and at the conventions come talk to us and if you can man the booth, great. We'll you know, hopefully we'll start doing conventions, you know, starting with Dragon Con, which is one of my big conventions. Uh, starting with Vegas, I'm sorry, and then Dragon Con, those two. Um, so we need people all over the country and we'd love to love to have everyone's help. Awesome. So where can people find the XNR on the web? So Star Trek Axanar, A-X-A-N-A-R.com is our website. And uh, on Facebook, uh, just search Star Trek Axanar and you'll find us. Please like us. Please share our page, share our content. You know, we're, we're approaching 14,000 likes, um, which is nothing when you think that Phase 2 has over 100,000 now. Mm -hmm. um, so we, we, we know. But listen, we actually have more likes than Renegades did when they raised their first quarter million dollars. So... You know we're we're feeling pretty good. So check out those two things. We're uh, Star Trek Axonar on YouTube, and uh, soon you'll be able to just follow us on Facebook. You'll find out when the Kickstarter launches. And if you have good ideas, things you want to see, I mean, people like I want a patch. That's in the Kickstarter. I want a tunic. You'll be able to get a tunic. Uh, our tunics rock, and uh, <laughs> you'll be able to get you'll be able to get one in the Kickstarter program. Listen, I'm a geek. I want this stuff. It's like, what do I want? If I'm, <laughs> I want a T-shirt. I want a patch. I want a uniform. I want a phaser. Right? I want a book. You know, we're gonna have a. I mean, we may. We're trying. If we raise enough money, we are even talking about doing a comic book. Oh uh, wow! Wow. Yeah. Well, Christian would do all the layouts for it. I mean, we've already talked to IDW about it, and although they don't want to release it, you know, uh, just because TOS doesn't mm -hmm. typically sell well for them if it's not Kirk, Spock, and McCoy. Yeah. But if it was all paid for, they would distribute it. Yeah. So, um, so there's all these things where listen, it's so funny. People don't get that. You know, I'm looking. I'm looking right now at this this Google Hangout, and I see the pictures of three. <laughs> of you know, like, hey, it's like this is. Me and my buddies talking about Star Trek. We're all we are all in it. The difference is, I just happen to love Garth a little more than you guys, and I went out <laughs> and film about it. Right? You guys started a podcast. I didn't start a podcast. We all have our loves in Star Trek, and the beauty of it is, we is we all get together and hang out, and 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 that's what Star Trek is about. Mm -hmm. You know, it's 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 about a fraternity. Mm -hmm. It, it, it's a, it's about share, sharing these stories of the human condition together, and uh, you know I, I I hope do you guys all go to the Vegas Con? I I haven't been. We I haven't either. Yeah. Oh my God, what is up with you guys? <laughs> well, I'm go. I'll go. <laughs> the three of us are poor. <laughs> well, share a room and drive country, and I will buy we'll you guys dinner. We'll get a box. Yeah, All right, <laughs> we'll we'll get out there. We'll try to make <laughs> it happen. It's it's so much fun. It's 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 just it's five days of Star Trek geekness. It's just it's it's awesome. And we'll have a booth there. Yeah, I'm actually trying to work with some of the other Star Trek uh, uh, projects, Secret Voyage, uh, Phase Two, to have a one big booth there this year. Oh, awesome! So, yeah. Cool. Would you would you be coming out to any of the like conventions like this one in Boston coming in and all that? Um, Bo uh, Boscon, 
Is that it? Yeah, yeah. There's one. Yeah. Yeah. Phase two is I'm not going to be there because we don't have anything right now. We're, it's a little early for us to be there. But yeah. uh, phase two is going to be there, and I know they're uh, they're part of the programming. There's a Friday night and a Saturday night phase yep. two event, and um, I don't know who from phase two is going to be there. But uh, yeah, so I mean that's the kind of thing we'll be doing next year because my guess is Axonar is going to be released. You know, winter. You know, mm-hmm. uh, November December is going to be when we, we get action are out. I mean, we've been delaying it and delaying it, and every delay is a good delay for us. Yeah, it's, oh, we're, you know, this weekend I, I'm like, okay, we're, the one thing that was unsettled about action are was our makeup. It was like, oh, you know, we need to do Klingon makeup, and that's going to be expensive. And so I said, I'm going to go to IMATS, which was this past weekend, I-M-A-T-S, the International Makeup, makeup Trade Show. Make oh, okay. artist Tasha, yeah. Yeah. And I said, I'm just going to go there because um, one of the guys from Star Trek was going to be there, and I figure I'll meet some more people. So I go there. I'm watching this one guy in the afternoon make up someone. I turn around, and I swear I turn, and standing on my shoulder, to I mean, a foot away from me is Michael Westmore. Wow. <laughs> I'm like, thank you, God. And, <laughs> And and being from New York, I'll talk to anybody. I, I just say, hey, Michael, my name is Alec Peters. I, I have a production called Star Trek XNR, and I pitch him for like 60 seconds. I give him the elevator pitch. And he's like, wow, that's really cool. And I tell oh, Brad, look, is working with me, and who's one of his friends. And he says, oh, and I start talking to him about what about this and that. And he says, oh, yeah, everything got sold off, and it's all in Germany with Martin Netter and you know, and 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 he says, "Oh, but these guys over here, Makeup Effects Lab, they're they're the guys I gave all my stuff to, and they're great." And and Michael introduced me to a couple people, and nicest guy in the world. And that was right. And so tomorrow we're going to Makeup Effects Lab. Christian and I did meet them. I've already talked to two of their guys. One guy's doing Gary's Vulcan ears. Another's going to do the Klingon headpiece. It's that's listen. That's why I live in L.A. That's awesome. <laughs> that's <what this laughs> is awesome. Your your Klingons will have ridges. They will. Um, okay. We're not sure what they look like yet. Um, mm-hmm. We are taking in all the all the sources, so we're looking mm. at. So we we're looking at everything. We love the motion picture, especially love Star Trek VI because they were subtle. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Not a fan of the next generation makeups. We thought think they're too heavy, too too mm-hmm. much. So if you think somewhere between TMP and Star Trek VI, those kind of Klingon makeups. If you go back and watch Star Trek 6, you really realize, wow, they did have – they really were subtle, those those ridges. Yeah. I yeah. mean, Christopher Plummer had almost nothing, but still, you you see that there's a different take. So that's what we want. We don't want to go with a TOS look just because that was – you know, they did that because they didn't have a makeup budget. And right. it's basically right. Klingons and blackface, really. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, right. So – so we want something interesting, and uh, so yeah, so the, the, that that's what we're going for. And uh, cool. and the Andorians, while the Andorians, I don't think are going to have forehead ridges. We, we'll see uh, on our makeup budget. Give mm-hmm. more money to the Kickstarter. Um, <laughs> I definitely want the Andorians to have antennas that move. Nice. Oh yeah, yeah, nice. that'd be awesome. Yeah, because yeah. uh, I think that's so uh, that's so cool. That's so mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. I can't wait. Uh, listen, I'm like you. I can't wait to for us to shoot. The, the Andorian captain with an Andorian crew at a at a you know at a Federation oh, bridge. <laughs> it's like yes, how cool is that? That's gonna be awesome. I can't wait to see it. <laughs> no Tellarites. We're probably not doing no, that. No Tellarites. Okay. No okay. Sorry, apologies to the pig face, but no. yeah. Now here's a question as far as the Klingons go. Were you a fan of what was in Into Darkness? You know, that's um, it's interesting. Not crazy, the whole bling on thing. Yeah, the whole. <laughs> but if you look at, you know what? If you look at, if you go to Neville Page's co- uh, website, mm-hmm. who's the makeup concept artist, and you look at his stuff, there's some really interesting stuff there. There's one that's very good because it's very subtle, and yes. we're using that as an influence as well. As I lay out all the photos of the things we like, that one on Neville Page's website is one of the ones that we're using. So. You know, I think if they had stuck without the bling, they would have been better off. I think they were more subtle. Yeah, they were. The, the, I, I, I didn't have a problem with the makeup. I had a problem with the bling. Yeah. <laughs> but it's all fun. I, I It's just fun doing this stuff. It's it's great. Yeah, I wish I, I could create my own universe, but I don't have the funds <laughs> <laughs> to do so, which is why I'm excited to, for this production because it's kind of like, oh, man, if I had the money, this is what I would do. Mm-hmm. Oh well, thanks. I appreciate you guys uh, saying that, and um, you know. Well, we we, we, we should look, yeah, 
I'm. I think we're already part of the Marines. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> been inducted. All right. <laughs> well, I, I know we're definitely all excited. I know once the Kickstarters happen, I'm. It's like, here's my money to just take it. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen this collection of Power Rangers? Ah, uh, we don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's the idea. You go all in, Eric. Yeah, yeah, I'll go all in with with this project. All right, I love, love hearing that, yeah. Well, listen, if you look at my place, you know, probably, here, let me let me see if I can just do, give you a little, a little, uh, here's a cabinet full of uh, Star Trek props. Oh, uh, man. That's, uh, <laughs> that's kind of my, uh, those are my toys there. That's, uh, yeah. So that's that's where my money always goes when it you know it's like oh I've got a little extra money so uh, yeah so I've got some uh, I've got some cool cool stuff here of course none of it we're using the show but yeah that I mean that's kind of how I got into all of this yeah yeah I'm I'm jealous so <laughs> <laughs> this has been great uh, thank you for coming on our show hey thank, thank you, you so, so much for having me and uh, cool. we look forward to seeing more of your stuff in the future. Great, and uh, thank you for having me on. And hopefully, uh, you'll have me back when uh, w- once we get going. Once we oh have yeah, definitely. definitely, Great, thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you. You have been listening to the Starfleet Escape podcast on the Four Eyed Radio Network, where you can catch a new episode every other Monday. You can find us on the web at sfescapepod.com. Follow us on Twitter at sfescapepod. Like us on Facebook.com slash SFEscapePod. And add us to your circle on Google Plus by going to google.sfescapepod.com. This has been a proud production of the... 4-Eyed Radio Network. Check out more shows on 4-Eyed Radio.com. Beam me up, Scott.